Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm definitely sure we'll both feel better after talking about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. The first big brand partnership I ever had was with Target. It was called the Target Fashion Experiment, and I partnered with their Morona line, which I don't think exists anymore, but it was sort of the mom brand of of fashion there or whatever. Um, So I partnered with that line. I flew to Minneapolis and got photographed in every single article of clothing and accessory. They did my hair and makeup, and I they essentially made me a little paper doll that they put on the Target website. And I sent my audience and they had the Target audience vote on what I should wear any given day. Everything was going well. I was really having actual fun with it. I had to, I submitted my calendar, which was not very exciting, but it was basically drop the kids off at school, attend a school coffee meeting go to a baseball game, and I had to wear whatever the audience picked for me to any given event. And I really stayed away from the comments where people would respond to what I wore. I would read the ones where they'd tell me what to wear, but the reactions I tried to stay away from. Until one day, about halfway into the campaign, I clicked and the first comment that caught my eye was, wow, I had no idea Jill was so large. There has never been, at that time, there had never been, and to this day, there has never been a single comment that has ever gutted me the way that one did. It felt like all of a sudden, the veil had been lifted and all anybody could see when they looked at me was heaviness and fat. And it felt awful. That day creeps up on me and it's very humbling to say the least. I aspire to be somebody who is so comfortable in her own skin that those types of comments don't leave the impact on me that they do. But I fear that's just a pipe dream. Today, I am so thrilled to be sitting down with the founder of Plus Mommy Podcast, Jen McClellan, who comes at this from a very different angle than I do. She is not ashamed to be described as large or heavy or fat. She embraces it and she tries to share the message that it's okay if you are heavy, fat, large as well. There is nothing wrong with you, and it's time to just embrace yourself. Jen McClellan is a certified childbirth educator, published author, founder of Plus Size Birth, and host of the Plus Mommy podcast. Her work has been featured in major publications, including the New York Times, Glamour, and Huffington Post. She helps people navigate the world of plus-size pregnancy, shares tips for embracing your body, and laughs her way through the adventures of parenthood. Jen and I started the conversation talking about my most dreaded word, three-letter word, F-A-T, and I asked her how she felt about it. 
I think it's a personal preference, right? Like not everyone likes it. I I'm fat. I exist in a larger body. I self-identify as fat. To me, it's a word that has been weaponized against people of size. So a lot of people have reclaimed it as, yeah, I'm fat. What's wrong with that? Like, it's just, I'm really short too. I'm only five feet tall and a half inch. So I'm short <laughs> and I'm fat. And those are just parts of me. But I I try to be very cautious with how I use that word because not everyone self-identifies as fat. And that's okay too. But ever since I started puberty around the age of 12, I, I just kept growing, uh, you know, out instead of up. And I have always existed in a larger body and tried to carry myself through um, without, without feeling negative about myself a lot. But there's so many societal messages growing up as a bigger girl that said I, I wasn't worthy and I didn't deserve all the things that other people did. And, and that that is hard. And I think a lot of people can relate, regardless if you, you know, carry a little extra weight or a lot. Like, society is rough, especially for women. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, most of us don't exist in a body that society deems acceptable. And that's, that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> What's one of your biggest issues living as a person in a larger body? traveling and needing an extender, but pretending on an airplane like the seatbelt fits. And that's something that I've done a lot of just self-advocacy. I I videotaped me boarding the plane and asking for a seatbelt extender and not doing it, feeling ashamed, just saying, hi, may I please have a seatbelt extender? And then I show myself clipping it in. And because of that, I've received so many messages, especially on Instagram, being like, I did it. And and I'm glad I put my safety first. And I'm like, I'm so glad you did too, because we're deserving of having a seatbelt that fits, right? We're deserving (laughs) of these things, but we're so conditioned to think it's so embarrassing and that we should just pretend like we fit or squeeze ourselves into spaces. And I I don't think that's good for people's overall wellness in general, right? Like, especially your mental health. Uh, I've found that the more I've accepted and loved my body and talk about these things, the more I've been proactive with my wellness. That makes sense. Speaking of flying and seat extenders, I heard you mention Southwest Airlines. Yeah, they're the most size-inclusive airline that has a customer of size policy. So you can either buy two seats in advance so you would get, you know, your either aisle or window seat, and then you get the middle seat that you can pay for in advance. And then after your trip, you get that second seat refunded or you can show up early and request the customer of size policy and um, they'll give you the seat. And the qualifier for that is if that seat belt um, clips. So if you need an extender, then you would qualify for the customer of size policy. And that has been a good game changer for me because it is hard to, like, I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. I don't, I mean, I like to snuggle, but not with strangers. <laughs> so it's been a great policy for me. But it was scary to the first time I asked for it and having to advocate for what I need. But I think all of these conversations and everything that I share about just existing in a larger body and navigating that can be true for people of all sizes. Like we all deserve dignified health care. We all deserve to travel and enjoy the pleasures of life. We all deserve to become parents if that's what we want. And we need to get rid of these messages that tell us that we can't because we look a certain way um, or walk through the world a certain way. 
it, it's just so unfortunate. Um, and there's a lot of marginalizations that come with being a person in a larger body. I mean, I have the privilege of being white, but there are so many people of color who also exist in a larger body or black people, and they face even more discrimination and racism on top of sizeism and fat phobia. Mm-hmm. And we see we see this statistically. We see so much harm being done statistically in healthcare, especially like people are dying because of fat phobia and medical care. Um, so we need to be addressing all of this and talking about it, even mm-hmm. though it can be really uncomfortable sometimes too. When did weight start becoming an issue in your life? You know, I think a lot of people can relate to, especially growing up in the 80s and 90s, when we started to gain a little bit of weight, all of a sudden we were introduced to different types of diets. And that was the case for me. My mom took me to Weight Watchers with her. And then I was introduced to Adkins. And then I was Mm -hmm. introduced to all these things that really disrupted my own body's ability to understand my hunger cues and to be able to really listen to intuitively what my body wanted and needed to eat. Uh, And I don't blame my mother (laughs) at all, (laughs) but um, it's helped me to parents in a different way, but it was hard. And I grew up in Southern California where there's Mm -hmm. this ideal of of beauty and this completely different standard, which I'm sure it's hard growing up anywhere, but it's felt especially hard growing up there as a, as a bigger girl and, you know, not being able to go into wet seal and (laughs) wear the same clothes or like guest jeans or any of those things and having to go to Lamp Bryant with my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so glad fashion has changed so dramatically. (laughs) And even me, like, you know, I've been featured in Glamour magazine talking about, you know, raising body positive kids. I mess up too. Like, we're always going to mess up. And so I say, don't blame my mom because I don't want my kid to blame me. Like, I think we're all trying to do the very best we can. But as my son is currently 12 and going through puberty, I'm not taking him to Weight Watchers, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not, we're not doing those types of things. So I just am working to reframe things. You know, sometimes when his shirts are a little tight, I'm like, oh, I got to I want to say, like, how do I say something? And so I'm just buy him a larger shirt without, you know, making a big deal out of things and talk about, you know, what foods give you energy? Um, You know, what are you feeling? What do you want? Like helping him to really understand his own hunger cues. Well, yes, you know, I don't bring in a lot of sugar. We don't drink soda. We're obsessed with Waterloo in this house. So I've made certain nutritional decisions in the home um, that he doesn't have access to as much sugar and stuff. But those are just personal things to me too, because I know that if there's access to a lot of sugar or candy, I'm going to eat it all. And I think that that's what we need to realize as parents is like, we might think, oh, I'm just going to sneak and have my little food stash. Your kids will catch on and they'll see you secret eating. And so then they'll think that that's normal, right? Mm -hmm. And as much as we want to be like the greatest role model for our kids, unless we work on our own shit first, they're going to see right through it, right? We're yeah. going to say like, love your body. You're amazing. I, I love you just the way you are. And then if you're standing in the bathroom, standing on the scale and you've gained two pounds and you're huffing and puffing and hate yourself because of it, the little one standing in the doorway is going to model after that, right? So yeah. I don't think it's ever too late to be like, okay, (laughs) I'm going to start working on my own stuff and my own journey to self-love 
And it's okay that you haven't done it the whole time, you know, or it's okay that you're just starting. I think it's really beautiful, especially for older kids, to have really honest conversations. Like body image is something that I've struggled with for so long. And now I want to, you know, work through this. And I'm sorry for anything I've done that has maybe made you feel a certain way about your body as well. Diet culture is very toxic. It's very toxic. And we know statistically that about 96% of people that diet will gain back all of their weight plus. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's my story too, right? Like every diet just made me bigger and bigger and bigger and hate myself more and more and more. And when I got pregnant, I could no longer, I couldn't diet, right? I had to Mm -hmm. really think about like, oh, well, what do I want to eat? Turns out I was obsessed with watermelon. <laughs> like, how do I want to move my body? Turns out yeah. water aerobics is awesome. Oh, that's like, my I, favorite. I yes, love that. right? It's yeah. The best. So for the first time, I was like tuning in and loving my body and touching my belly mm. in a way I never had before. I love that because I did not feel that way pregnant. Yeah. I, I wanted to be the person in the, you know, belly pictures and feel all this confidence. And A, I was so busy throwing up the entire time that there was really nothing to feel except for nauseous. Um, But I just, I never, I was so focused on like the stretch marks and how sick I was feeling and no clothes fitting and keeping up with my other kids that I just never really savored my body during pregnancy, which now, of course, I wish I had. So when you go to the doctor and you do the weight and all the tests and everything, when when he or she sits down and goes over everything, do they address your weight? Do they sort of blow over it? Is it really more about your health than the weight, which is obviously what it should be? Um, how, how does that pan out? Sure. I mean, that as a lot of the focus of the work that I do is helping people to connect with size-friendly care providers, someone that doesn't make you feel ashamed about your weight or focuses on your one number, but focuses on your overall health. And for me as an adult, I didn't find that until I connected with my midwife that Mm -hmm. really helped me to believe in my body's ability to have a healthy outcome or even be healthy. Like, I didn't even know I could be healthy as a big girl, you know, until I had a care provider be like, well, yeah, your labs are completely, you are healthy. Like everything here on this piece of paper shows that you are healthy. So I've had care providers that have told me before even introducing themselves or asking me anything. I've been in the room where my son is there. They haven't acknowledged, you know, my little cute baby at the time. And they were just like, you need weight loss surgery. (laughs) And not even asking me how I felt about that. And it has been very, you know, just dehumanizing to feel like I am only a number. But I fought hard to find care providers that don't treat me that way. My most recent one, in fact, I was like, I want to be healthy. And, And he pulled up all my, I had just had all my labs run. And he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, you are healthy. Keep doing what you're doing. You're you're loving your walks and you're you don't you you are healthy. And and I think that's important to know. We have studies to show health at every size, and that's something that is difficult for people to wrap their brains around. I understand. But what what harm? What harm is there in encouraging people to embrace and love themselves and to pursue wellness and love versus, oh, well, 
you're so fat, you know, you don't even deserve to exist, you know, and then things that, awful Mm -hmm. things that we read on Facebook, right? Like, that does nothing. That There's no benefit to that what's, whatsoever. It, there's no, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I've had people criticize my work. Like, why are you encouraging people to get pregnant? I'm like, well, people are already pregnant. Like, that's, they need access to how to have a healthy outcome. And that's the work mm-hmm. that I do when they come to me and they're pregnant. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, sucks to be you. Here's, you know, all these increased risks. No, we talk about the reality of the risk. They're not as elevated as we're led to believe, but here's how we can reduce them even more and have healthy outcomes, not just during pregnancy, but for the rest of our lives. How has your experience with weight impacted the way that you're raising your own son? Uh, One thing that I do when I take my son to the pediatrician is I say, we're not going to talk about BMI or weight. And I actually write this, you know, as parents, we get that form where we fill out every, every time like milestones for our kids. I literally have written on there, do not talk about BMI or weight. Happy to talk about um, nutrition and physical activity because we're going to have the same damn conversation, right? That's what you want to talk about. But if we frame it about a number, a weight, my kid's going to get the same complexes I got at his age. And I'm trying to do everything I can to protect him. So same thing when I go to the doctor and I've had doctors treat me horribly, like the uh, doctors numerous have been like, oh, you just need weight loss surgery. I'm like, clearly you are not going to help me with my overall health and I'm going to leave now. So being that good self-advocate, but for our children too, regardless if you exist in a larger body or not, helping to protect our children from a lot of these conversations. And the American Academy of Pediatrics also states that, you know, we shouldn't be shaming people or making kids feel badly about their size. We should be focusing on healthy habits. Do you resent when thin or average-sized women complain about feeling fat? Is that something that just makes you cringe and, you know, shudder at? So I grew up in Southern California, as I've said before, and I had friends that were like, quote, like five pounds overweight where I was on those stupid scales, like, you know, 50 pounds overweight or whatever it was. Um, But I've always been compassionate to other people. So I respected their personal body struggles with five pounds, just like I did with 50. And I've found the more I've talked about my journey and I do public speaking or used to before the world turned upside down, it was often the the thin women that would come and like hug me and hold me afterwards and, and thank me for talking about body image and body love because we all have our own struggles, right? We all have a, a different perception of how we view ourselves versus how those who love us see us. And I think having confidence has helped me to walk through the world a little bit differently than even people that exist in smaller bodies. I can have sometimes even more confidence and I don't I don't dismiss other people's feelings about their bodies at all because I think it's really important that we meet people where we're they're at and give mm-hmm. them love and support because that's what I want to. As we wrap things up, I would love to talk about some ways that you have found friends who embrace you and celebrate you and how we can take that and be better friends and allies to people in our own lives. I've really worked hard to cultivate 
friends that are good allies to me and know what I need to walk through the world with confidence. And as simple as like go into a restaurant, they know that they're not going to pick a high top seat, the seating area, not only because I'm only five feet tall, but because sitting on a high top, (laughs) once I finally climb up it, um, uh, you know, my big booty swallows the chair. So I'm not going to be comfortable and my feet will just dangle and they'll fall asleep. Um, so I have friends that are really mindful of finding a table that has chairs without arms. And for anyone listening that wants to be an ally to their plus size friends, like the easiest way I think about that is chairs without arms. Mm. Like making sure that when you go to a restaurant, you're not just grabbing the booth because you love it and it's comfortable for you. If you have a plus size friend with you, they might squeeze in and try to make it seem like they're con- comfortable, but often they're they're not. And like patio furniture is my nemesis. <laughs> like so much patio furniture doesn't have a wider width. So, um, you know, just having chairs available of all sizes and chairs without arms uh, and being inclusive, I, I think it's such a small step that means so much to people without you having to make a big deal out of anything. My my mother-in-law is so sweet. Um, I always run a little late, so she'll show up, you know, a little early to restaurants and she'll already have a chair, a, a table with chairs without arms. Even if we've been in a patio, I can see she's asked people to change out the chairs. Aww, and that, that is, is so beautiful um, that she's gotten to that point where she just knows, hey, I want my family to, to feel comfortable and I'm not going to mm-hmm. make them feel uncomfortable or ashamed while we're enjoying a lovely meal together as a family. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways, aside from the chair, which I'm going to take with me, and I love that tip, um, what are some other ways that you can be an ally to your plus size friends? Yeah, diversify your social feeds. Like, look at your feeds. Mm-hmm. If everybody looks like you when you're scrolling, then your view of life is so limited and so boring, right? Like, <laughs> diversify your feeds. Like, specifically look at people who exist in bodies that don't look like yours and your world will be opened in so many beautiful ways. I think that's so important, not only for ourselves, but our children as well, to see different bodies of different sizes and colors and abilities and normalizing that that is what life looks like. That is what the Mm -hmm. world looks like. Just because media still shows us very often a very small percentage of, uh, you know, what people look like. We're also diverse and beautiful and we can learn so much from one another. So I think monitoring our social feed, monitoring how we talk about people, um, you know, we're, we're, working really hard on not being a racist society, which is well past time for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that's a high priority up at top, not, 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 not bringing that down anywhere. But like also, let's also talk about not being fat phobic and body mm-hmm. shaming people, um, being really mindful of the language we use when we're talking in front of our children about others and ourselves as well. Um, not hating on ourselves too, like catching ourselves in those cycles of self-hate and being like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to talk about my child in that way why am I talking about myself in that way? Because you're going to unintentionally say things that will ripple to the people that you love in your lives without you even realizing it or knowing it. So addressing your internalized fat phobia will make you a better friend to your plus size friends and to all people, really. Hmm. Can you tell the people where to find you, Jen? Sure, I'd love to. Um, 
for anyone listening to a podcast, I'm a podcaster. My show is Plus Mommy, and the tagline is, from bumps to bellies, we talk about it all. So it focuses primarily on plus-size moms and birth stories, but also motherhood in general. And I just did an episode on like how to find friends as an, as an adult, right? Like all these <laughs> things we struggle with. Uh, but for anything plus size pregnancy, plus size birth.com. Um, I, I can't believe I've been doing this for so long that the site has over 7 million page views and it's wow. you know, one of the leading resources for plus size pregnancy that's been endorsed by the National Institutes of Health. And I'm so proud of that work. I love talking about the mom stuff. But really changing how plus-size people are treated during pregnancy is my core passion. So you can find me Plus Mommy or Plus Size Birth on all the socials as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And you have such a good message to spread. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you, Jill. And and thank you for being there to help me set the foundation to be the mom I am today. So I, I deeply appreciate you. Oh, ditto. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening today. And I have a really big favor to ask. Could you please, wherever you're listening, just hit the five-star rating for the podcast. You don't need to review it. You don't need to do anything else. Just wherever you are right now, wherever you're listening, just ding, give it five stars. It would make me so happy. Okay. She's Got Issues is produced by Gwen Sound, Kira Shine, and me, Jill Smuggler. We would love you to come back next time, which we are trying to get into routine with and actually some regularity, but just subscribe so you get an alert and we will uh, get better at this. I promise. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.